Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast. And today I finally have a guest with me who is not necessarily in the back world, but in the other world that I also enjoy a lot. And with me is Take. Oh, I did, forgot to uh, ask you how your last name Kayo. Is that correct? Take Kayo? Perfect. That's Perfect. Are you, are you Japanese? <laughs> I wish. I wish. I think being Japanese is much cooler than... No, being Indonesian is cool, but I, I feel like Japanese are... Indonesian is here and Japanese are over here. I feel like in the coolness factor <laughs> with everything that you do. Well, I was raised in Canada, so I'm, I'm probably more Canadian than I am Japanese. So Do you speak, do you speak Japanese? Yeah, I was born there. And I okay. came to Canada when I was quite young, four years old. But as you okay. probably know, as an immigrant family, within your family, you, you, I speak yeah. Japanese. And my mom yeah. never learned English. Yeah. So for me, I have to communicate with her in Japanese. So, But it's at a very elementary level, right? It's between <laughs> a, a, a son and a mother. You know, Japanese has yeah. many honorifics. So Japanese mm -hmm. is a very rigid society with lots of rules. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of much like maybe German, right? There's definitely benefits to that type of thinking, you know, yeah. exacting, precise, but that also comes down to communication. There's hierarchy, there's honorifics yeah. in our language. And so um, I can't speak business Japanese. It's a very different yeah. Uh, language meaning different yeah. verbs yeah. completely different yeah. verbs so if you want to say like i want to eat in in colloquial speak it's taberu, yeah. like to eat yeah but when you use the honorifics it's omeshi agarimasu like it's it's a different completely different word to you so let's it's, just say you know ten thousand verbs right like just between you and your friends you want to eat yeah. you want to run you want to walk you want to stay you know you learn ten thousand verbs the honorifics is another 10,000 new verbs wow. you have to learn. And not just the verbs, but how you structure the entire sentence is completely different. So it's almost like a different language. And as a kid speaking to my mom, I never had to use that. So you'd have to be kind of in a business environment. So uh, there's, there's lots of stress being Japanese. So when I go to Japan, I try not to speak Japanese. I just pretend I'm a, not pretend. Just I'm I'm a Canadian when I'm in Japan. <laughs> I have I do have a question that I want to ask about that. But before uh, I ask that question, can you maybe for everyone who doesn't know you, can you give us a quick little introduction of who you are and what you do? Oh, for sure. Uh, I am a can. I'm, well, I I like to say I'm a photographer first before anything else. Yeah. And then I review camera gear. And I do videos about photography, but it seems like over the years, it's kind of become more gear centric, which on mm -hmm. YouTube, which I yeah. kind of, I, I, not that I don't want, I want to move away from it, but I also want to talk more about the art of photography, the craft mm -hmm. of photography. And with that, that bags, bags are kind of a natural thing because it's a major accessory for photography. And so, and be, even before that, I've been a huge bag person since I was a kid. I was called the turtle when I was a kid because, they, <laughs> you know, a turtle carries its home with them. So I would go to school and they're like, why are you bringing all this stuff to school? And it's like, I don't know. What if there's an earthquake? What if there's an emergency? I want to make sure I have all my things. So I always carried my things with me. And so, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of you. I, I follow you, you. And, and a whole bunch of other bag reviewers and... 
even if I wasn't a photographer, um, you know, I would be huge into bags. But because I'm also into photography, there's this kind of a blending of of beautiful bags, beautiful ways of carrying things and having your tools with you. It doesn't matter what kind of thing you do. So mm. I'm, I'm a huge bag person. I'm a huge fan of your of your entire ecosystem and I'm honored to be a guest on your channel. Thank you very much. I, I actually see it the other way around because I felt that I was following you first because of your photography channel. And I was so surprised that you were also into bags and that's kind of, I'm more honored to, that you are on guess because again, I followed you before and I was, I was thinking about doing street photography. I tried it a little bit, um, but yeah, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't get really into it. So that is basically the reason why I, in the, initially I followed your YouTube channel actually. So it's a lot of fun to see that there are so many overlaps and, um, also, the overlap is we both being Asian, but not living uh, in our home countries. And I, I really want to, is, this is not a question that I actually was thinking about, but just because you just introduced yourself as someone coming from Japan and being born and raised in Canada. I was always wondering, well, that's at least how I feel sometimes. I feel a little bit... Um, torn when i am in germany i was born and raised in germany but my parents are both from indonesia and they my my dad is quite it's not uh it's quite relaxed but my mother has sometimes these connections to traditions to for example in her belief she thinks that at some point she's going to live with me and at my place and i'm 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 not feeling too comfortable about my mother are, are you the only child me. are you the only no, child of the eldest son i'm the eldest son that's the reason because i'm the eldest um and always um this comparison oh you see your cousins your cousins are so nice to to their mother and pretty soon she's going to live with them and i'm here being raised in Germany, feeling German, but still somewhat Indonesian, I sometimes get a little bit, as I said, torn. Do you feel the same way being Canadian, but having Japanese roots? Is it is there a disconnect for you sometimes? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we could, you know, I have one of my wife's cousins, he's, he's half Chinese, and half Hungarian, but raised oh, wow. in Canada. And it's, it was funny <laughs> hanging out with him because sometimes he acts like a Canadian and he makes fun of Chinese. Oh, you know, the Chinese, they think this okay. and that. And other times he becomes Chinese and makes fun of Canadian. And he's like, and I made, and I kind of made fun of him saying, Hey, like you're flip-flopping. Sometimes, you know, like you're criticizing both sides and you can kind of do it because you're both. But I said, you know, and I, and I think he kind of epitomized the kind of co the inner conflict because yeah. I can see the weaknesses of Japanese culture where people kind of fetishize Japanese culture. And it seems mm. so shiny from the outside, but being an insider like i know people who've lived in japan for 15 20 years who even as i live in canada thinking no you you got that idea wrong or you don't mm. understand a certain word there's certain words the japanese use that there's no english equivalent yeah and they think they know what it means but it's like japan is such a monoculture and 
they're not that accepting of outsiders. I see. You know, and, and mm -hmm. my mom is the same way. It is, it's not, I, I usually say this kind of jokingly, but I always say first generation immigrants are all racist. And it's not that they're racist, they're ignorant. You know, my mom, mm -hmm. when we first moved here, five kids, she's like, you're all marrying Japanese and not only Japanese, but you're all marrying from, I'm from Okinawa in the South. It's a little small mm -hmm. island. Mm -hmm. So mom was like, you're all marrying Okinawan. Like that was her, her mindset. Oh, wow. And then she says, and when I get older, I'm moving back to Okinawa and I'm going to retire, you know, in, in, in this little island. And, and a lot of my immigrant friends, cause I grew up in a part of Vancouver, East Vancouver. So yeah. it's usually on the West coast, the East side of anything is usually the poor part. Because as you've moved further west, it's the ocean, right? So if you have money, you're closer to the water. If you're poor, mm -hmm. you're further away from the water, right? So East Vancouver, and we were all immigrants. Okay. You know, all of us were Portuguese, even though, you know, we say, oh, look, there's a white kid. But even he was Greek or Italian or Portuguese. See, and, yeah. and his parents couldn't speak English. So they were as immigrant as us. He just visibly didn't look like an immigrant. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're all trying to, trying to fit in and trying to, trying to be Canadian. But most of our parents could barely speak English. Yeah. And we all had this kind of identity crisis of being a little bit embarrassed about our culture. So when you come to school and you bring your lunch, I, totally I don't want to yeah. bring, I don't, I don't want to bring a bento box. My mom yeah. would make me onigiri, the Japanese mm. rice balls. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 like make me a sandwich, sandwich like the white kids. <laughs> Yeah. And then she would buy the brown bread. It's like, no, 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 mom. Like everyone wants the I white bread. That, yeah. Nobody wants mm. brown bread. And then she'd yeah. put uh, cucumbers and lettuce. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's just ham and cheese and mustard. I don't want it fancy. And, you know, yeah. we're all trying to be Canadian. But I think as we get older, we, we kind of yearn for a connection to where we were from and yeah. where we are, are, you know, and I, and I think that, uh, luckily my parents never gave me an English name, mm. you know, and I, and it's nice that you have you, Bo is your Indonesian name? No, my Indonesian name is Bondan, but it's too long. Bondan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, bon, Bondan is kind of cool though. I like it. Yeah. But, but it, many they, Germans didn't, didn't give you a understand German name. it. No. Oh, I it's see. Just, so I have, uh, actually I have three names. Uh, and uh, but that was yeah, and that was just way too long. And the Germans, they, I was the only. I mean, you probably know that as well. I was the only Asian kid in my school. So and in my um, elementary school, so that alone was already a little bit weird for some kids to understand. And then having a, a name that they are not used to was also difficult. So it was it became bo. Even the teachers didn't didn't really under get my name so that there was a lot of different styles how they called me so we stuck to bow that's basically well i mean like i said i i grew up in the immigrant part of vancouver and mm. vancouver is a coastal city so we have a lot of diversity right yeah. so for me luckily i like i said uh, we didn't have that many like true canadians meaning mm. born and raised where i was from everyone was an immigrant so in a yeah. way, I was lucky to be surrounded by so many different cultures. It's very yeah. cosmopolitan. Yeah. And, um, but the funny thing is, Japanese were rare. There mm. weren't a lot of Japanese immigrants in Canada because 
because Japan was an industrialized first world nation, right? When mm. we came from Japan to Canada, we weren't fleeing persecution. We weren't mm. fleeing poverty. We were richer, more successful in Japan. My dad mm. was more successful there than he was, but he wanted to give us better opportunities. So he moved us well, here. Cool. So we, we were, we were kind of a weird immig immigrant, you know, like we weren't, mm coming from from you know for a better life our life yeah. was better in japan we we were more advanced like we came with a, a microwave in the 70s people had never seen a microwave in 1976 you know we had these canadian neighbors that came over like what is this magic and we said you put food in you turn it on and it heats and th they've never seen one we came with a sony trinitron tv a super betamax uh, you know sony yeah. player and a full oh, sony uh, hi-fi and all of our Canadian neighbors are like, where does all this stuff come from? And it's, it's all yeah. coming from Japan. And then I saw the electronics here and the cameras. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is backwards. Like, yeah. what's happening here in Canada? To me, it felt like a third world country as a kid, you know, coming from Japan to, to Canada, right? So yeah. um, it was a kind of a different immigration. But I, I'm really happy that my parents moved us to Canada because Japan is a very, it's an island nation with an island, mm. they call it Galapagos thinking, where, mm. you know, things work in Japan, but sometimes Japanese think that because it works in Japan, it'll work outside of Japan. And a lot of the things that are Japanese are uniquely Japanese, mm. and it doesn't really work in an export market. So that's why there's a lot of you know, we call it JDM, right? Japan domestic market. A lot of okay. JDM products that mm. never leave Japan because Japanese think, oh, like, well, two things. The market is big enough where they don't need to export, right? So I if see. they only sell certain bags in Japan, the market is so huge, they don't need to export it. There's enough customers <laughs> only in Japan that Makes they don't sense. even think about exporting it. Yeah. And also, a lot of it is they don't really think outside of Japan. They make it for the Japanese market and they don't think that mm. it would work outside of Japan. So they just say, like, you know, most of the cars that you get in Europe and in North America, you go to Japan, you don't see the cars. You're like, oh, where are the Honda Civics and the, and mm. the Accords and the Corolla? It's like, no, those cars don't exist in Japan. It's for export only. And there's yeah, really yeah. cool cars in Japan that never leave Japan, right? That's and a lot so of cool it's stuff kind of over a, there. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, I mean, the bags in Japan are awesome. Yeah. You know, if you live in Japan, most people take public transit. Most people need to carry their stuff with them, right? So mm. men's bag is, is huge in Japan. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of bags, I mean, um, let's, let's get to, uh, to that a little bit. Um, what's your favorite way to carry all of your cameras? I mean, is there is there a specific bag that you like? I know from your Instagram a little bit that you what type of bags you carry, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you carry your gear and why you carry it that way. Because I find it a little bit I find it interesting. And I would love to know what your reasoning is behind that. Yeah, so if I'm going from A to B, so it's more about transport. Mm -hmm. then obviously a backpack is the most convenient way. It just distributes the weight more evenly. I'm often testing gear and I'm testing multiple gear. So I'll have like a Leica system and a Fujifilm system. So it's like three or four bodies, four or five lenses. So it gets quite heavy. Mm -hmm. So I need larger bags. And so um, when I'm reviewing and I'm out and about... 
you carry oh, yeah. backpacks? I, I had, because I, I was under the impression the you only carry messenger bags. No, because, I, oh, I, okay. I actually love backpacks, but they kind of tend to not make their way. Because again, if I'm like, for instance, if I'm flying to Germany, yeah, most of my camera gear is in a backpack, but I'm not oh, shooting, okay. right? It's just, it's transport. I'm transporting mm -hmm. it. Yeah from Canada to Germany. And then once yeah. I get to Germany, I unpack everything and then I'll pack usually slings or maybe uh, two or three different mm -hmm. sizes that I would carry. So something like a large size where I know I'm shooting both film and digital and then mm. something light where it's like I'm out for dinner. So I don't want to carry too much stuff. So enough to carry one or two lenses and maybe one extra camera. So mm -hmm. there's, they're, they're all different ways I carry depending on how I carry. And also, you know, when I come from home, I'm in my studio now, I rent a, a basement suite. So mm -hmm. I, I like right now, like one of my favorite bags is this Woten Craft. It's their, they call it like a business backpack, but it yeah. has all this Molly in the front. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just my favorite. I haven't even created a YouTube video for this yet, but I, I love this as my daily carry. And it goes with me everywhere. Yeah, but yeah. then if I'm shooting, um because you know i'm not always shooting like this is the new um that's what uh, i meant billingham yeah. that i mm. have and this is you know, like a, a over shoulder but this is also it's different kind of like a doctor right mm. yeah it opens like a uh, like a doctor's bag and mm -hmm. there's even like inner inner handles outside yeah. of the flap here like this so that if you're on set and you're shooting and you quickly need to move your bag instead of having to always go like this strap it down and then grab this it has inner handles so i'm i just started oh, reviewing wow. this bag yeah good feature but um but this is kind of a larger bag mm -hmm. uh not that popular and that's why i took it because i love reviewing bags that people have either never heard of yeah. or people like I, I i when i was talking to billingham usa i'm like I don't want to review a Hadley or Eventure. Like they're very popular bags mm. and there's tons of reviews. I'm like, what bag isn't reviewed much or talked about much? And they're mm -hmm. like, well, the, the seven series. And I said, yeah. let's review the seven series. I want to know why it's not that That's popular cool. yeah. and see if I can make it work for myself. Yeah. So yeah, so that's this is what I'm using. And yeah, that's I usually use bags that I can quickly grab cameras, mm. shoot, Put it that's, away and then grab oh, another I see. That's gear. the reason. Yeah. So for yeah. the audio listeners, the bag is kind of like a duffel bag, sling bag style or messenger uh, style. And from from your Instagram, I always had the impression that you only carry one-sided load uh, kind of bags. And I was always wondering, considering from my impression you always have at least two cameras and at least three lenses with you so yes, in my that's head very that's accurate. yeah in my head that's already quite heavy so that's why i was thinking why doesn't he use a backpack he always seems to only use this really classy stylish messenger bags and so i was kind of or my goal for this question was, okay, are you using those bags for a fashion appeal or for a stylish appeal or because well, it's both, practical? Both, for sure. I mean, I, I would say it's both because, you know, just like sneakers, right? Um, mm. They're functional. You need things on your feet. You need to protect your feet. But mm. you also kind of like them to look cool, right? And yeah. I always say, look, if you like Skechers, that's great. They're functional. They're, you know, shoes, shoe design <laughs> is so, so advanced. <laughs> but, but you know, like shoe, 
what I mean is it's hard to find a bad shoe now. You know, like, like if you look at like sneakers from the 1980s, if you watch the movie Rocky, the Rocky mm-hmm. one, the first one with Sylvester yeah. Stallone, he's wearing Chuck Taylors or, or, yeah. or, or superstars or not superstars. Uh, uh, yeah, Chuck Taylors. He's wearing Chuck, Chuck Taylors, Taylors yeah. Yeah. running. Yeah. And, and and back then that was just like that was normal. Today you would be like, "What? You're uh, this pro boxing athlete wearing Chuck Taylors? That's yeah. what you wear on the weekends." And and the the sneaker evolution is to a point now where you know Skechers make great sneakers, but I'm also fashion conscious and mm-hmm. kind of what's cool. And I I don't I like to think that I don't follow trends, but we all are affected by what others wear and what others do. Yeah. But I always try to find kind of a niche. And, you know, everyone likes Nike. I love yeah. Adidas. You know, I've, yeah. I've loved them since I was a kid. And I know, so, you're a superstar. Adidas superstars are your favorite, Yeah, I love right? them. You can, yeah, I mean, I have, I have them, I totally you know, like, know. right. I'm wearing them. Not, these are, these are the, um, uh, like, slippers, mules. I wear them oh, in my studio. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's cool. So I didn't they're, know they're, they are slippers. <laughs> yeah, cool. and, and and you can wear them like some people wear them on planes, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. they take ask you to take your shoes yeah. off for security, yeah. or on on in your seat, you want to be able to just quickly take your feet out. So these are mules, oh, that's cool. and so I have mule sneakers, and these are like the superstars. Not the most comfortable shoe because they're kind of flat, mm-hmm. but they're very stylish. So if I'm not walking too much. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll wear these because they look yeah. cool. And, and same with bags. You know, to me, it's kind of a mixture of like I always say, look, as a photographer, peak design probably makes the best technical camera bags. But mm. I just find them a little bit too like Skechers. You know, a little bit yeah. too utility and not enough fashion. And, and so I, I like cool looking bags like bags from Wotan Craft, bags from mm. Billingham that definitely have uh function but as well as form yeah. and they're classy looking they Makes have sense. kind of vintage yeah very utility mm. vintage sometimes military inspired kind of a look yeah. i love molly and so brands like Wotan Craft does that i mean filson has that kind of that vintage kind of technical mm. you know mixture so i i do like stylish bags but the function of it is because I'm reviewing gear, sometimes I like need to A, B shot. So shooting with this lens and then now with this lens or with mm. this sensor and then this sensor. And I need now to I quickly yeah. access. So because I'm A, Bing stuff, I, I need a messenger sling style bag to makes quickly sense. access my gear. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay, that makes so much sense. And besides your cameras, what would you say is the most important or let's say the favorite tool that has to be an always in your camera bag is there anything well, my favorite that- my favorite tool that it doesn't go on my camera bag or, or actually watches to me that's a, oh, a, cool, watch- cool. that's a good segue because that is my last last question let's put that okay. uh, on the top so go okay, ahead so, okay. and then i will ask so, you so, be- so so besides watches what goes yeah. into the bag actually even that another my favorite tool is like a pocket knife or pocket tool That's but it Leatherman, needs to be right? in my pocket yeah it's a leatherman free t4 yeah. i think mm-hmm. so it has like a That's screwdriver cool. scissors yeah. it has all the main things but it also has a pocket clip so mm-hmm. i love swiss army knives but they don't come with the clip right yes. so you gotta That's right. find some way of it not slipping to the bottom of your pants so i do always have a swiss army knife 
in my dop kit in my bag. Mm. Okay. And then I always have some kind of a knife uh, with me or a pocket knife or a pocket tool. And right now, this has kind of been my favorite because sometimes mm. you just need to unscrew a bottom plate or yeah. you need to wedge wedge something and, and you know, fix something. And, and it, this has scissors as well. So, mm. this is the most... Um, unobtrusive tool because I have some cool hunting knives but mm. you don't want to go into a coffee shop and put a hunting knife on a table right it's it's just a little <laughs> bit inappropriate if I'm walking in the woods or if I'm hiking then I, I actually have proper hunting knives and mm. and things that I can actually use as a weapon you know if there's an animal sure. attack or something like that or just I'm not a hunter, but I mean, I do have proper knives that are meant for hunters to cut yeah. up game and stuff like that. But I, I love knives as well. So, but yeah. to me, this is the most functional kind of a tool. Yeah. It's some kind of a multi-tool. So either if it's pocket clipped on your side or if it's inside yeah. your, your dop kit or in the front pocket of your camera bag or your backpack, I, I feel it's that some you. kind of a... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really unhappy since 9/11. I mean, you're you probably would have been quite young, uh, September 11th, uh, mm -hmm. 2001, where you could carry a Swiss Army knife yeah. onto a plane, you know. And as a kid in elementary school, I would have little pocket knives just for whittling, uh, you know, just for yeah. cutting up wood and stuff. Yeah. And I would always have a pocket knife carried to school. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. So I come I from know. the generation of, you know, you had a watch and you had a little pocket knife and that was kind of like a, a boy's, boy's thing to always yeah. have with you. And yeah. to yeah. me, even when I go to the washroom, when I shower at night, if you can believe it, when I shower at night, some people may take their cell phone into the washroom thinking, oh, what if there's an emergency call? You know, like I want to have my yeah. cell phone near me. I don't even sleep with a cell phone. It's sleep. It's in a separate room. Oh, that's I, I, I don't habit. like the distraction yeah. of, of a phone next to me. Yeah. If you need to know the time, I have a watch and I actually wear a watch to sleep. But when I go to a washroom to shower at night, I, I carry a watch with me into the washroom. And I carry a pocket knife and I put it on the washroom counter and then I shower and then think, hey, if there's an earthquake, if there's an emergency you know and I need to bolt out of the house, I take a watch and a knife. And that's Those are the two main tools that I have. You know what? Uh, funny story. I do the same, but not very, not consciously, but there's always a multi-tool in my pocket. So I was in this hotel and... Fortunately, I was just about to go into the shower. I was undressing. Fortunately, I was undressing inside the the um, bathroom. So my pants and with the pocket knives was in the bathroom. And the, the lock, not the lock, but the, this doorknob thing that would trigger the, the, the mechanism to open the door, it broke off while I was in the bathroom of that hotel room. So fortunately, I had my knife with me, so I could wedge the knife, the blade in the door, and then trigger that um, that mechanism to open the door. So that was the reason, or is the reason why I'm so happy to always carry a knife with me, because something always. like that can always happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe this is, sometimes, you know, some habits come from fears. Mm. or like you know like uh, uh, there's a term they call them preppers yeah you know like um people are like 
like doomsday guys you know yeah. they build little bomb shelters in their backyard exactly. and i think in a, in a way i'm i'm like that i'm not i'm not worried about some kind of nuclear explosion or anything like that but i mean i am always thinking like hey like i, I don't i feel naked when i don't have some of my basic tools and for a lot of people mm. it's their mobile phone and i always mm. feel like a mobile phone is not a tool it's a device you know a device is something that can fail you right meaning yeah. you know like software Battery. doesn't work whatever yeah you, you blame the device saying oh but you know if a hammer if you hit a hammer on and you hit your own finger you can't blame the hammer it's like dude you you did it you know like mm. you misused the tool exactly because a tool it needs the 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 tool user to to fine tune their ability to use it. So even to mm -hmm. me, a camera is a tool. It shouldn't be a device. And modern digital cameras have now become devices where oh, like this feature didn't work. Oh, autofocus isn't working. And people blame the camera when they can't get what's done. And I always tell people, look, twenty years ago there was no autofocus for video. Everything was manually done. Yeah. Some of the greatest photos in history were on film some of the greatest photographers in the world shot with one film one lens yeah. one camera for 50 years they never blamed their tool if they missed something it was their fault not the camera's fault and now it's the reverse everyone blames their devices but mm. they call them tools it's like they're not tools they're devices a tool is very elementary and simple and if it screws up it's because you screwed up so yeah. you need to be uh, uh you you know you need to be able to master your tools and know how to use them properly. Yeah. And for me, a mobile phone, when there's an earthquake or a flood is one of the least important tools for me, other than being able to phone out. But even then cell towers are out probably, you know, lots of things stop working. But if you have a little pocket knife, you have a lighter or matches and you have a, a watch, which we can, maybe going to at some point, but you can actually use a watch to figure out where true yeah. north is. Yeah, the watch hands, true. if you know how to use it properly. So you can figure out a way out of a forest with the with the watch. If you have a time, you can time, you know, like there's so many things you can do mm. with these very simple tools. And then having a little dop kit or bag, right? So my wife and I, we have um, our emergency kit. We live in a, in a very uh, 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 prone to uh, large earthquakes. Oh, I so, see. you know, mm. we, we and even in schools, they have these emergency drills to teach kids, hey, what happens during an earthquake? Yes, you know, what should I you see. do? And the government basically says, hey, you should have a kit at home. You should have enough water for three days. Mm. And so, you know, Bug my wife and back. I, every year, yeah, we, we, we look at it, make sure the water is flipped out. Our emergency food is, is, is thrown out every three or four years. That's good. Um, we have, a, what do you call it, hand crank radios mm -hmm. and things like that. And we'll make sure that's all updated. And um, yeah, I mean, those things to me are important. So there's that very kind of worst case scenario why you have these things, but also I just love these things. You know, I love yeah, tools, I love fun. bags, yeah. Yeah. I love EDC. They're functional yet fun, you yeah. know? So speaking, I've always kind of... Yeah, speaking of, of EDC, I, usually, I mean, you already answered that a little bit and you went into it. Usually I would ask you about your EDC, but I want to go into it a little bit more specifically because you already mentioned that a little bit. I want to ask you about your watches because you are into watches as well, just as I am, but I'm not as knowledgeable about watches like you are. So what I 
no is and what the video viewers uh, have seen re just uh, a few seconds ago you wear two watches at the same time and i would like to know from you because my watch collection is not big but it is big enough to <laughs> let's say sometimes confuse me in regards to what watch i want to wear so i would like to know from you how do you decide because i anticipate you have a lot of favorite watches how do you decide which watch you want to wear on a specific day and when someone comes to you hey take why are you wearing two watches what's your response to that yeah i've been getting that for over 20 years i i heard um more than 20 years 25 years so i mean i've been wearing watches since the 70s right it was kind of um a, um a gateway into manhood if you can call it that you know mm -hmm. as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s you leave the house and your mom says be home by by noon for lunch yeah exactly right well you're six years old you don't really know. So as a six-year-old, you're not allowed to leave further than three houses down. So my mom would just yell and say, Take! And there's five of us, right? Come home for lunch. You run home. As you get older, your your mom knows, hey, like Take will go to school. He'll go three blocks yeah. down. All of a sudden, you need to know the time. Your mom says, be home for dinner by six. You know, exactly. your, your dad is coming home and there's a, well, you need a watch. And so when you're six or seven, you know, you don't have a watch. When you come about eight or nine, it was kind of like, I was sat down by my dad. He's like, you know, you're you're a man now. You you need to have a watch. So when I tell you, you go to bed at nine. Don't ask me what time it is. You have your own watch. So oh, yeah. you know, you need to know the time. I or remember if you're that late for school. Childhood. Yeah, if you're late for school, if you're late for an appointment, it's like we're buying you this watch so that you know you're a man now. So you always. So to me, I associated like manhood or adulthood with having a watch. So there's mm. obviously a very practical reason why you carry a watch it's, it's it's very functional now today time is everywhere right yeah. people rarely ask someone for the time because it's on your phone it's on your computers on your ipad it, it's kind of everywhere but my generation if you're at school there's like the clocks in your classrooms but other than that not it's weird yeah even back then only about 10 15 20 percent of people had watches 80 percent mm. of the time other kids didn't have watches and people were always asking me Taco, what time is it and i always think in the back of my head get a watch like uh, you know I, I would tell people the time but i'm thinking like why why don't you why don't you just get a watch why are you always asking people i always thought like i would feel lost without knowing the time i would mm -hmm. make i would actually start to hyperventilate think like i, I don't know what time it is you like so that's why i sleep with watches on Mm -hmm. A G-Shock, nice and light. I don't sleep with my mobile phone. I just look at my mm -hmm. G-Shock and take a look. Now, in terms of deciding, again, it's both function and fashion. Mm -hmm. um, pilots used to wear two watches. So there's the GMTs, right? They give you two time yeah, zones. Exactly. But before the GMTs, and also even when GMTs existed, they were still quite expensive. Right, mm -hmm. so in the in the sixties and seventies, uh, a few brands like Rolex would come out with GMTs, and the pilots would buy them. But if you flew for Air India or or something, like you're not buying a Rolex, right? You're you're yeah. buying two watches, the 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 city you're leaving and the city you're landing, and you wore two watches, and that oh. was such a romantic concept to me. It's like oh, so I traveled my whole life, always going to Japan, traveling 
I started, I wanted to be like the pilots. So mm-hmm. I would wear two watches, set my left wrist for my home time and the time oh. that I'm going to land on my right wrist. And when I get there, I would flip the watches. And then when GMTs became more accessible, you know, like where the average person yeah. could buy, that wasn't just made by Rolex, you know, then all of a sudden Seiko would make them. And then when the G-Shocks came out in the 80s, it changed and the whole digital watches, you yeah. can have multiple time zones, but mm. you still couldn't see them button. quickly. Mm. You just push a button, but you still couldn't see two time zones easily. And because I love watches, people are like, you know, they have GMTs for that. It's like, yeah, but then you don't get to wear two watches as well. So I, I like the, the fashion of it. I always, when people ask me, why do you wear two watches? And I could tell they're kind of saying it sarcastically and they don't really care to hear the answer. I usually mm. say, well, people wear two earrings. You know, people, you know, I have two wrists. People wear three or four rings. Rings aren't yeah, really yeah. functional, but it's a fashion statement. So I say, yeah, I have two wrists. I, I wear two watches. Do you try to match the two watches then? Or? It depends. So, mm-hmm. so to me, Fashion is poetry, meaning you mm-hmm. communicate with people in terms of how you dress communicates kind of both how you're feeling that day as well yeah. as like what subculture you representing. So, you know, when you wear, wear like a, a rock t- concert t-shirt, you're kind yeah. of saying, hey, I identify with this band or I yeah, identify yeah. with this brand. To me, this Osaka, uh, my brother gave me this. He lives in Osaka. This represents, you know, my love for my brother in Osaka. So when I wear this, I think about my brother. It, all these things communicate things, right? So if you wear Air Jordans, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. automatically communicating to people, hey, like you get the Jordan culture, or if you're wearing, you know, Stan Smith's, it's like, hey, you know, your people who are into those things kind of like, hey, like I kind of get what you're saying or wear Yeezys, you know, whatever you're yeah. wearing, it communicates. And in the watch culture, it's the exact same thing. You know, if you were G-Shock, you're a G-Shock guy. And they're like, wow, yeah. you have that new titanium G-Shock. And you know, that's like $2,000, it's not cheap. And so they, they kind of get like, I get what you're trying to say with that watch. Right. Mm. But also, if you notice, my left is analog and my right is digital, right? Yeah. So this has analog hands. So when I'm driving, an analog watch is easier to tell the time in a quick glance versus digital. Yeah. Digital, you have to read it, right? Yeah. You have to read 12 p.m. or, or 11.58. But, but analog, you have these two hands that go up. You're like, mm. it's 12, right? Yeah. Or if it's like this, you know, it's either it's nine it's or it's three. three. Yeah. Right, it's it's representative. It's 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 a I don't know, call it iconograph. It's it's very visual. You yeah, look at it quickly, and you can tell the time. So if you're in a meeting and you quickly want to look at the time, you just it's easier. You're, you're, the analog hands is much subtler way of telling time. If you're a runner, if you're running and you want to quickly tell the time, so analog cool. is the easiest way versus the digital. Digital, you have yeah. to like kind of look at it, and you're like, oh yeah, it's this exactly. time. Exactly. But if I want. But if I want exact time, sounds like you're starting something where you're synchronizing with someone or something and you want the exact, this is a G-Shock Tough Solar Atomic. So this actually has radio frequency. It connects to the six mm-hmm. uh, atomic clock around the world. There's one in Germany, right? So for fun, when I went to Germany, I manually synced to the atomic clock oh, in Germany. I didn't know that. And to that's me, that's very cool. poetic. Because I in North America, there's one in Colorado. So my atomic time is synced to Colorado. But when I went to Germany, I wanted to sync to the German um, mm. atomic clock. So just it was a very poetic thing. It's like, you know, I'm here in Germany. I'm going to now manually connect to the German atomic yeah. clock. And then boom, it connects. And it just makes me feel good. It's like, yeah, 
I, I connected. You, it's a poetic feeling. Like now totally. I'm in Germany. You know, I'm in German time. You know, so so when I went to Germany, I wore. So this is a brand from Berlin called Ten Eleven Nine. So represent. Uh, that's their postal code. The, their Berlin yeah. postal code is Ten Eleven Nine. So yeah. that's what they named their brand. So. Even when I wear these two watches, they're kind of color coordinated, right? It's kind of a tan yeah. brown leather. This is kind of a brown camo. But also, mm -hmm. this is a made in Germany, uh, Glasuta, Germany. Mm -hmm. And this is made in Japan, right? So when I went to Germany, I said, hey, like, I'm wearing this because my left wrist is a nod to my 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 love for germany and all things german and then on my right wrist is this japanese watch made in japan because i'm japanese and i'm made yeah. in japan so this is like germany and japan other days i'll wear two japanese watches and say like today i'm full made in japan i'm i'm carrying yeah. a japanese camera and i'll wear japanese sneakers so i'll wear like onitsuka tigers and i'll wear my osaka t-shirt two Japanese watches and a Japanese camera and it's all Japanese and some people like that most people never get it most people never get what I'm doing but it makes me That's happy knowing yeah. it's like it's just yeah, about it, you yeah it's kind of like you know what where women talk about lingerie saying hey like nobody sees it but I know I'm wearing it and yeah. it gives them a certain feeling I'm the same with with all my accessories like when I pick a a certain knife that's made in Canada because I know it's made in Canada and I was like oh yeah you know I'm gonna wear my made in Canada pants there's a brand called reigning champion it's a Vancouver brand and I'm like I'm gonna wear a reigning champion hoodie so today is all Canada theme and I'm gonna wear a made in Canada bag and yeah. I go out there and even though nobody else gets the poetry I get it and it makes me feel happy that I'm doing it so that's the kind of like the non-functional part it's more of the I guess I the like artist's that artistic side of my brain that's telling a story in you, my own mind you, yeah and how you express yourself basically yes i like that yes you you kind of inspired me because for me i love mechanical watches and I, what i like about it is just this thought about there's so much work tiny intricate work of these cog wheels um inside it everything is automatic i love just the the as you said, the poetry. I love that the this how you said it. The poetry uh, for that is so amazing. And yeah, I, I wear on my right uh, wrist. I wear a smartwatch, not because I want a smartwatch, but because I use the vibration motor to wake me up in the morning. I hate uh, loud alarms and stuff like that, so I use a vibration motor. But I always kind of felt not sure if i should do it i have seen it quite a few times with two watches but my wrists are fairly tiny in a, in a way and um uh, a diving watch the diver that i have is fairly big so i kind of felt a little bit stupid having two big things on my wrists but i like how you described it and i will try it out i think i try it tomorrow i'm going to wear you know, two watches I, tomorrow I, I always talk about people who live mostly in their own minds and people who live mostly outside meaning they're looking for outer outside stimulation mm -hmm. to I, I it's i need to kind of orchestrate how i want to say this but like as a kid i always lived in my own mind like i always i always played stories in my own head 
You know, so even if I'm in a room full of like, for instance, my siblings all love playing video games. I hated video games, so but I mm. loved being near them, sort of like a cat, I guess. A cat might not love to be cuddled, but they like to be in the room with you. For mm. those of you that love cats, right? Or dogs are very like, you know, they always want your affection, yeah. and they're very kind of like. I think I'm more cat-like. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, I. So, but I would be reading a book. So they're playing video games. I love being near my siblings. I just don't, I don't want to play video games. And I'll be reading like Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, you know, in the room with them, but in my own little world, right? Just yeah. kind of do my own thing, but next to the people that I love. And, and likewise, you know, I have my own little dialogue and my own little stories that I'm playing in my own mind for myself that nobody else ever, they're like a, it's like an inside joke just for myself. And I'm always playing that for myself everywhere I go. And so I don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I I don't care if people think that weirdo is wearing two watches. Like, I don't care. Mm. Like, I don't I don't really like I not that I don't care about other people. Of course I do. I care about other people's feelings. I, I'm sensitive to their feelings. And and I know some people can be insensitive, not on purpose or hurtful, but you know, they could think, they can maybe criticize me, maybe. That's why YouTube comments never bothered me. I just laugh. Mm. You know, for some people, they really take it personally. And I just like, I think it's hilarious when people are so angry. It's like, why are you so angry? It's just a YouTube video. Yeah. And I just, I, I really do laugh. And sometimes I, sh I share it with my wife and she la laughs as well because she knows I'm bulletproof, those things. Because I live so much in my own head and I don't look for so much outside validation. And I think as you get older, people get that way. Because if you look at the way old people dress, yeah. you know, when you're young, you just want to be like your peers, right? All the young kids are wearing Air yeah. Force Ones, whites, and they all kind of try to dress the same. They look at Instagram, they're all looking the same, they listen to the same music. Because they haven't found themselves get, yet. Yes, yes. Yeah. But even when you're in your 20s and 30s, you know, you're looking at what you're you know, your friends, oh, they're having kids, let's have kids. Mm. Oh, they bought this Tesla, let's buy a Tesla. Oh, these are the type of houses, these are the fur. And then as you get older, you're like, ah, I can die anytime, I'm gonna wear what mm. I want. And I find like, even when I went to Germany, the, the best dressers and the most flamboyant dressers are the old people. They're in their 60s and 70s, they're yeah. wearing like the leather, what do you call Lederhosen? What's the leather yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, Munich? Lederhosen. Yeah, Lederhosen, yeah. yeah huge mustache, you know, like a handlebar mustache. Yeah. Like the craziest dressers are these old men and women. And it's the young ones that are still, you know, they're thinking about their peer groups. They want to look cool, which is fine, but they all look the same. And mm. even in Hong Kong, the, 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 the best, most interesting dressed people in Hong Kong, in Tokyo, in New York, they're usually older people. And I find, I think it's because as they get older, they're more comfortable in their own skin. Yes. And they care less about what other people think. And they care more about what they think of themselves. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of playing into it as well as I get older. I mean, I'm not going to pretend I never cared what other people thought. Of course, I care about what other people think. But as I get older now, I think, hey, like, I like these things. I don't really care what anybody else thinks. And I'd rather be a style maker, you know, like, Pick something, like I said, picking a bag that nobody else likes, take yeah, it and I say, that. I don't care, I like it. And then people are like, hey, well, Taket likes it and he seems kind of cool. He likes these things. Like, may maybe I'll check it out. Like, maybe I'll start wearing two watches mm -hmm. because Taket is wearing two watches. Yeah. And not that I want to influence people. I want people to do what they want to do. 
it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Mm -hmm. You know, I want what's functional, but also what's pleasing to my own eyes. And then my ability to write the own, my own story in my own mind, you know, so that yeah. I can enjoy these things that are both functional as well as like super practical. And it, and it makes my quality of life better. Something yeah. as mundane as, you know, doing really mundane things. Like, you know, I think you probably have a ritual too, right? You get to a desk and you have this ritual. You have your keyboard, you take it out. You have your favorite yeah. mouse, you take that yeah. out. You have, you know, maybe you, like when I work, you know, like mechanical watches don't like magnetism, right? Yes. And there's magnets in everything. There's magnets on my iPad case, cover, exactly. iPhone. Don't, don't put your mechanical watch next to an iPhone. It's not good. So when I work on a keyboard and I know there's magnets like on my iPad case, I, I take off my watch. So I have a little, you know, like I have a little like a desk pad but this yeah. is not for a mouse this is a mouse pad but this mouse pad is meant to put my 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 iphone, not my iPhone sorry like my my watch my knife yeah. you know i don't want to scratch my desk or something and i carry <laughs> a portable little desk mat right so even when i go to a coffee shop i put it down i take off my watch i put my watch down i put my little pocket knife down hence you know something like this instead of a hunting knife i don't put a hunting mm. knife on a coffee table and if you notice a lot of my photos they're lifestyle photos right like i'm in yeah. a restaurant eating and it's like why does taka do that it's a ritual i put my food down or my coffee <laughs> or my my tea i put my camera i put my watch down and i take a photo before i start eating and it's become oh, this cool. ritual for me yeah, right yeah, yeah, so but it's also, I mean, for the audio listeners, the little mouse pad where Take puts his stuff is bright red. It's uh, with the Leica logo. So I feel like that it's also very practical in terms of you're not going to lose it because you very clearly see the bright red and you see the stuff that is on your bright red uh, mouse pad. So that, I mean, that's yes. very practical. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I have one last question. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So my last question is for you as a professional photographer, if you had a tip for any photographer, I, I assume many people have asked you this, but I want to ask you anyways, if you had a tip for any photographer starting out or wanting to get into that hobby, what would the first short tip for you be? What would you recommend to that person? Ah, that's a tough one because it depends on what your end goal is. Because if photography Let's say just is as just a hobby first, just as, as, as a, a hobby? hobby, yeah, not necessarily would, for work. Because I feel like photography is such a good passion outlet. I feel so many people yes. are in a workplace and are lacking or are craving creativity, but their work that just doesn't allow it. So I always kind of feel, hey, just do YouTube, do photography, but as, as a hobby, not as something that where your goal is to earn money. So you have something that you're passionate about. And I would like to know what would you give that kind of person as a tip if that person wants to start out photography as a hobby? I would say, so I, I started off that way too. You know, it was a, it was a passion. Mm -hmm. I would say, change the way you see photography so for me again like watches cameras you know me being japanese 
I grew up with cameras. Like my dad took pictures of everything, and we just do- it was it was more of a capturing memories, documenting yeah. family events, vacations, holidays, snapshots, you know, bir- birthdays, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I saw it. It was just like a snapshot. It was it wasn't. Yeah an artistic hobby is just like, no, this is a functional thing that you do because everyone takes, especially for Japanese, right? Japanese yeah. just takes pictures of everything, including yeah. food. You know, Japanese were taking pictures of food way before Instagram. It was mm. a Japanese thing, like, cause Japanese food is very pretty, right? Yeah. So people would go to these places and take pictures of food. So to me, photography for most of my life was just snap shooting. Mm. And up to that point, I didn't think much of photography other than documenta- documenting. I always had a point shoot in my bag. The, the switch in me was when I realized that like music, which I'm a, I'm a musician, and like my writing, I, my major was English lit in university. That's my, mm-hmm. I love writing. Both music and writing is a form of communication, right? You're yes. communicating something through these genres. Um, you know, and and the best communicators are really projecting themselves through that medium, right? Mm-hmm. The, you could hear their voice through their writing. You could hear their voice through their music. And the best musicians, it's like, you just hear their music. You're like, I already know this person by the way they're communicating through this genre. Yeah. I never saw photography that way. I always saw photography as, nope, you're just shooting what you see. Like Google Maps or like a real estate photo or product photo. I just saw like, no, this is reality and you're just capturing it. I never saw photography as a way that I can communicate as a visual language. And when I was explained that, like, no, 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 no. Photography is more than that. Like, you know what you do with music and what you do with your writing? You could do the exact same thing. You can communicate your, your very core, your very being through this visual medium. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like a click. I'm like, Wow, so I can do with photography that what I've already been doing with music and writing, they're like exactly the same. And once that switch happened, I actually, so I learned about like this photography as an art form in my very last semester of university. So I didn't know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a musician, be in the production end of things. I wanted to be a professor at university and teach or be a writer or maybe a little bit of both. I quit both of those and I went straight into photography. And since graduating university, I've only pursued photography. You know, like music became a hobby, writing became a hobby, which is now a tool. I write articles now. So it's kind of funny how it's become full circle. But when Mm. I write and when I take pictures, to me, there's no difference. I'm trying to express something through this medium. And sometimes there's that grind, like, ah, it's not exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I want to say through my photos or through my words. And and I read it through, or if I look at the photo, it's like, ah, that doesn't quite express how I'm feeling. And I'm always trying to be better at expressing myself through it. So to me, I don't even care about the photo. You know, it's like, if I can express myself in the same way through the way I dress, through the way I write, through the way I, I, I compose music or play music, or through my photography, I feel that I've succeeded. So when people look oh. at my Instagram feed and like, I kind of know this guy. I, I get the type of person he is, but the yeah. way he takes photos, he's very, he loves things. Like he's always taking pictures of watches 
and he's always you know taking pictures of his cameras he loves straps watch straps camera straps but also like he loves shooting at night and he does these long exposures and he likes to go out at night and he likes cinematic things yeah because i always imagine being inside a movie like my dream yeah. is like when i watch a movie i always pretend i'm in the movie and so when i take so, a photo i always want to give that cinematic feel like you're in a movie and that's kind of how that drives my photography it's like i want this to feel cinematic i want this to i want to capture motion in my stills so mm. even though you can't you know like that's why i love movement in my photos i want to capture movement even though there is no movement it's, it's yeah. actually it's an illusion so i don't want to tell people photograph like me it's like no because i don't know what's inside of you you have to discover for yourself what is inside of you what do you want to communicate and now pursue photography like it's a hammer or like it's any other tool you're just using it you are the yeah. master over that tool and learn to communicate through that tool any way that you can and there's so many different types of photography different photographers use it in different ways but i still look at it and go like wow you're a master what you do even though it's completely different from what i do it you're a master and i would never try to copy that because like no that's your way of communicating i have my own way of communicating so i want whoever is starting out photography if you want to be an iphone photographer and that's actually a huge genre eh? like yeah. mobile photography there are mobile photography awards there are award-winning mobile photographers yeah. there are mobile photographers in art galleries that do talks and they are the master of of smartphone photography other people are into leicas and they're into film photography right other people are into sony to me it's like i don't really care what you use master it become a master of it because mm. the gear isn't important and that's why on my instagram i always put like uh, i think i put mobile film digital analog you know it's all good because i don't really care what camera you yeah. put in front of me i'm gonna you should be able to look at it and go oh this is a take photo i don't care if it's the iphone or like yeah. it, it looks it looks the same well it should look the same because it's i'm communicating through that medium so to me forget about gear you can ask me about gear. I'm I'm really good at it because I'm a nerd and I'm a collector of cameras as well. Mm -hmm. But I don't really care what you use. I would teach people learn how to communicate. Yep, storytelling. Learn how to communicate your voice. You know your visual voice, your visual language. Discover your language, your visual language. Figure out how you can tell it visually. So like learning that. how to use lights you know learning how to use a tripod and slow exposure like i don't know how you want to tell your story and if someone wants to learn from me then i'll teach them hey like these are the technical skills involved for you to be able to tell your own story but beyond that don't ask me about the content because that's up to you to yeah. fill i like that i like that a lot so it's a different approach to looking for the goal you want to achieve most people are kind of looking for oh i want to make the perfect picture but what you're saying is try to make a picture about what you are passionate about and not trying to look for the perfect picture or how to create that picture but try to communicate what's inside you and put that into the picture i like that a lot that's that makes so yeah. much sense yeah and you know and that's why on my instagram like I think right now I only follow 130 people mm -hmm. and, and people, you know, actually one of the tips I give photographers is don't follow too many other photographers. Yeah. 
get it. I, I want to reduce will, my Instagram they, as well at the moment. They, they will they will pollute they will pollute your vision. So on my Instagram feed, I follow more um, like you know watch brands or you know some cool guitarists that I like. You know I follow John Mayer and he also loves watches and you know like this this is kind of a, a mixture. I follow fashion brands and mm. I'm looking at trends and things that I love, but I don't follow that many photographers. I don't yeah. want their style to pollute me. The more exactly. you, you want look to at other photographers, yes. And so, yeah. if you want to become a better photographer, watch more movies. My 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 greatest visual influences are cinematographers like yeah. Wes Anderson, uh, Sofia Coppola. Like I don't look at other photographers because to me they're my I don't want to say competition, but like I'm trying not to look like them. I want to look very different from my peers, and to do that, I can't be consuming their 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 content. I need to mm -hmm. consume content outside of my genre and then bring that into my genre. Exactly. I like yeah. that. I like that. Thank you so much for all of these interesting things. And I, as I said, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Where can people... That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was definitely a lot of fun. Where can people find you if they want to see either your photography or your YouTube channel? Well, I, I guess th there you go. For <laughs> Instagram is usually my... I call it like my my online art gallery, you know, up to date what I'm doing. So uh, Big Head Taco on Instagram, Big Head Taco on Twitter, Big Head Taco on YouTube. And I have a website. I, I need help on that. I, I don't do much there, but uh, definitely Instagram and YouTube are probably my and, and Twitter are my three primary social media platforms. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast it was a lot of fun and so many cool new viewpoints that at least i want to adapt for instance the watches and uh, maybe i will start wearing messenger bags as well for my camera gear it sounds <laughs> definitely more practical <laughs> so yeah thank yeah, you so for much sure. for for being a guest and taking the time to answer all of my questions thanks for inviting me that's uh definitely i've been ex i've been excited since the last couple of weeks you've been talking about it been <laughs> excited to 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 talk to you i i wish i i want to reverse this at some point and i want to ask you lots of questions because yeah. i know there's little nerdy things about you that i yeah, would love let's to do ask that. I would love to do you that. You like motorcycles, you love keyboards, you know, you love your things. <laughs> you have a very cool visual aesthetic. I like. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening to this uh, episode. And don't forget to also check out Take at Big Head Taco. And stay safe and healthy, everyone. And to the next episode.